A good Thursday, everyone. Welcome to Spin Class. We're talking politics. I'm your host, Michael Fragan, here on the Nachum Siegel Network, NachumSiegel.com. We are sponsored by Beckerman PR, Beckerman Public Affairs, building market leadership and reputation through strategic communications. Tell your story with Beckerman, BeckermanPR.com. And have a great show coming up. We got a whole bunch of, uh, of, of really interesting guests and no reason to spend a lot of time talking about what we have in the show. We're going to jump right into Bill O'Reilly, a prominent Republican consultant uh, from the November team who has spearheaded the rise of many a different Republican uh, here in New York State and beyond, a columnist and one, a keen observer of the political scene. Bill, welcome back to Spin Class. Oh, thank you very much, Michael. Good to be on. You're right. There are a lot of things going on as you're listing them. I'm thinking, my lord, there's <laughs> there's a lot of action out there. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, you know, as as Rummy, my producer, uh, uh, points out, absurdity makes good radio. You know, we don't have the visuals, <laughs> so we can kind of talk about a lot of these things going on. And in a way, the hook is the more absurd, uh, the better. Uh, but you know, it, it, it would also kind of be funny if it wasn't so serious, right? We're talking about yeah. a lot of these are very meaty issues. Uh, you know, I I I can't help but always talk to the old adage with regard to politics and if you're not if you don't have a seat at the table you're on the menu and that kind of really speaks to <laughs> politics these days if you really you know if you're either winning or losing yeah that, I, that's absolutely right it, it, it and it, it speaks to countries also you know, to nations it, it's a there's a there's a it's a there's a lot of uh there's a lot of dynamics going on out there both nationally and internationally that are frightening we really have to have our eyes open and be be all working in the same direction yeah, well, unfortunately, when we have races going on and we seem to have perpetual races, either for Congress or for president, we're starting so early with this presidential race, particularly on the, the Republican side. So that's first topic I want to I want to deal uh, with you on is the Republican field. It's getting it was huge and it's getting huger. It's so huge that they don't even have room on stage for everybody. It's so worse than the, than the Kentucky Derby. I mean, right. It's a rodeo. It's not a horse race anymore. It's, I mean, I think we're up to, up to about 16 viable candidates. If you count, um, if you count others that have suggested they may throw their hats in the ring, some of them are unknown. There's, there's around 30 Republicans. I mean, it's just a, it's a stampede. And, uh, you know, it, it, to some extent, it's an embarrassment of riches. There's some really qualified candidates in there, and a lot of them. Um, but at the other, the other extent, it's, it's going to cause problems. And I think you're beginning to see that early on. You're seeing stories about Rubio and Jeb Bush and, you could see the opposition research being spit out by uh, by campaigns against one another, and uh, you know that's 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 just starting now. That's going to get worse. So look at the field right now. I think a lot of prognosticators, a lot of commentators, are putting the field into tiers since there are so many people. You got tier one, tier two, tier three. I think everybody who's in tier three desperately wants to get out of tier three. Uh, they yeah. probably can't. But as Except as in the a consultant, system, right? <laughs> exactly. As as a consultant. Who are you looking at now? Actually, let's let's step back for a second. I, I think the audience out there knows who a lot of the candidates are, so we don't have to handicap them. But what right. is surprising you so far? And I know we're so early, but what's surprising you so far? You know, whether it's uh, Jeb shock and awe, potentially not working, Jeb Bush not really being be able to kind of push the rest of the field out, uh, maybe the slow start for Christie, strong start for Car Scott Walker. I mean, who is the surprise right now, if there is any, of the campaign? I think the, the only surprise right now, and I think some, a, a dark horse to keep our eyes on, is Carly Fiorina. 
and I and I and I agree that the the field is right now is really Jeb Bush, Scott Walker, uh, you know, Rubio, a, a couple of other ones, but. Harley Fiorina is someone that's emerging out there. I don't know if she can go all the way or not, but she's got a very, very good and aggressive press team out there. And she's she's showing up in the press. She's getting consistently good press. And she stands out not just for being a female and the only female in the race, but she stands out for being a top business executive. So she's one that I think we're going to be seeing a lot more of. Otherwise, I think it's just basically that cluster. I, I didn't expect Chris Christie to do any better. I think he's got too many challenges. I'm a little surprised at, at the Mark Rubio uh, stories that came out, um, only because you, you would have thought those would have come out earlier when he ran for state office in Florida. The, you know, the financial uh, stories. Those, those, uh, they smell like having the potential to really hurt in the long run. Um, you know, t- time will tell on that. But I think, uh, I think that top tier has remained mostly in, in place. And it's really going to, you know, what's, what's going to happen with the debates is it's, it's going to change the tactics of the campaigns where they're going to have to base their, their uh, earned media strategies and even maybe even paid media if it, if it gets down to it to get into those big debates. And, and that's, that's what you're going to, you're going to see a lot of, a lot of ammunition that might be held typically till later fired right before the debate to try and get a, get a, a bump in the polls to get into those contests. If, so just, if, if you're not in those debates, you ain't, you know, as the expression right. goes. Right. I, th- I think that's the big danger for anybody in the third tier there. And it's all being done by polling, a national polling, mind you, which, of course, is so strange given the dynamics of the, the primary season. The way it works, right? it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. But you think about like you think about like a John Kasich, like how is a John Kasich not in the top tier? But I don't think he's considered in the top tier right now. That just seems absurd or or a. Uh, you know, a Perry or a, a Huckabee or I mean, there, there, are, there are a lot of good candidates in the field, really seriously good candidates. Bobby Jindal, you know. Sure. It's an embarrassment of riches, I think, as you said, and there's no question about that. Now, let's just take New York for a second and the New York primary and for Republicans. There is a possibility that New York will play a role, given the certain dynamics in, in the Republican uh, in the Republican primary, because you have such a wide field and it's unclear whether every somebody is going to emerge very decisively. And then it comes down potentially to New York actually having some relevance on the Republican side, which is unusual. Yeah, it would be nice. Yeah, it'd be great. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah. what uh, – I know that the rules have been changed uh, with regard to the New York primaries. Can you explain that with regard to delegates and delegate selection a little bit? I don't – I know that's kind of coming out of left field, but uh, I, you, I noticed you know that what, the other day. You know what? N- not entirely. I, I could have a few years ago. I don't think I'm, 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 I'm up to date on – I mean th- things have changed in New York uh, on, on the waiting and a few other things. But uh, I, I don't think I'm the right person to ask for all the – for the mechanics of it. But I, but I can't say that you're, you're, let me just shut this door. You're absolutely right that, that New York may have a play. I think the one that New York could potentially hurt the most if it comes, if New York really matters is probably a Ram Paul because New York is an international town. New York is a, is a worldly town. And I, I think a Ram Paul that's got a little bit of a, a very much of an isolationist streak, I should say, will not play well in New York and, um, or shouldn't play that well in New York. And I think he could he could if he has any momentum he could be significantly slowed down here, um, but otherwise it would be great to see the state have some say. We've been just we've been you know powerless on the Republican side for a long long time and taken for granted on the Democratic side. So and you could see the results of it. I mean the, the the state is getting ripped off in every exchange with Washington, and it's falling further and further behind in the country. 
So it would be a nice, a nice change to get, you know, to, to have some impact on the race. Right. Now, you've helped Republicans win in uh, non-Republican districts, and and you've done that by putting a pretty diverse coalition together in, in certain respects of different uh, – of, of not necessarily Republican stalwarts uh, or stalwart groups. And yeah. one of them has been – and I alluded this, to this in the, in the introduction – has been increased Republican support from the Orthodox Jewish community or even the Jewish community in general, but I think primarily in the Orthodox uh, community. Um, is, is that is, – is, do Republicans in New York need more Jewish votes in order to, in order to make a play? Yes, absolutely. And, you know, in, in the, you know, uh, Jews and Republicans should be very much working together all the time. We have so much in common philosophically, um, both, both in, uh, you know, on, on issues of morality and issues of foreign policy. I mean, there's so many ways that we relate. And, you know, sometimes uh, we fall into these myopic disagreements in, in areas, which I think we're going to talk about next, that I, re- I really don't think are, are helpful and be counterproductive. But but yes, absolutely. For example, the Bob Turner race could not have been won without the extraordinary work within the Orthodox community. Rob Astorino has had great fans in the Orthodox community. I mean, lots of candidates I've worked with have um, have developed real and sincere, uh, not, not just political relationships, but friendships and uh, uh, you know uh, allegiances. So yes, and I think that's something that that needs to grow. It's something that that makes a lot of sense. I think again, our outlooks are are in. In sync, and to, to to a great extent, though it's not that the I mean a lot of the Orthodox community is part of the Republican Party. They're in their leadership. They're we, we're, we're together. We're one, and um and I my hope is that 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 continues and strengthens. Right. So there seems to be conflict, and particularly in Rockland County right now. Uh, and we'll get to this. You know, we have the county executive coming on uh, who has had some tensions, as well as an Orthodox activist who as has really been. I don't know, attacking, but certainly calling out the Orthodox, uh, the, uh, sorry, the Republican Party for airing ads uh, specifically that seem to infer uh, Orthodox criminality. Uh, but is is let's just say the Republican Party in many in many areas uh, around the country is seen as the party of angry white men, and. Yeah. The question is, does the ethnicity or the overt ethnicity of many in the Orthodox community uh, cause them to be a little bit turned off by, let's say, the insularity or the lack of diversity within the Orth- within the Republican Party? I, I don't, I don't, I don't think so. I mean, I, I, again, I think first of all, I, I, I love the fact that that um, the County Executive Day is coming on the show. I think it's, I, I think, it speaks well to him that he wants to address any any issues, you know, any tough issues that are out there. And a lot, and a lot of electeds would would duck a tough interview like that, and I, I give him great credit for it, and, and you know I, I I admire him for it. Um, but 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 I think uh, I mean I I think the again I think there's so many there's so many commonalities between the Orthodox community and the, the, first of all the, the growing Orthodox community in the, here in New York it's the fastest growing community in the state, and that's that's a wonderful thing for New York. Um, but I I I think I think that. Uh, there's there's plenty of room in the Republican Party for for anybody and everybody, and I think just uh, uh, on the on the cultural side or the spiritual side or the the morality side, there's 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 a great there should be a great connection there, and it it seems to be happening, and, and I and I hope it I hope nothing gets in its way. 
Now, I wasn't suggesting that the Republican Party is exclusively angry white men, and I know that, uh, but that, you know, that is the, I think that was the post-2008 or 2012 uh, uh, post-mortem of the, of, of the Obama victory and Obama putting together a coalition. But, you know, there but is also, that. We, there but is we that, don't itemize people. Like, the Republican Party doesn't itemize people. And if we do it, you know, shame on us for doing it. It's not in our philosophy to, to, to do, you know, checks on, on, um, you know, diversity checks in our party. We tend to take people one at a time, and that's the way we, we see the world. We take people that, have, that take personal responsibility, that work hard, that love their families, that, um, you know, that, uh, you know b- believe in the American dream. I mean, it's, those are individual attributes that, that we align with. It's not – we don't, you know, do the tribal politics where it's, okay, we, we need the African-American and the Latino, and the, you know, we don't, we don't think that way. Right. So it's, you know, if, we, if we're and accused of that, we plead guilty as, as charged. I mean, that's just the way we are. I think that's exactly the way it should be. And I think that that is, you know, the favoritism or the idea that you play one group off the other is really is very detrimental. I, unfortunately, I, I think. Testable, you know, that, yeah. Yep. There's so much going on that in Albany, particularly around, you know, just one Rockland issue was this the this East Round Post School District oversight issue. We'll probably get more to more into that uh, later in the show. But so much, uh, particularly in the debates that happened earlier today, was about pitting the Jewish community versus the minority community and putting right, right. pitting one community against each other, which I thought yeah. was really and I, I heard so many assembly people. Uh, parroting that and talking about that uh, overtly as, as as if this is a straight out ethnic, ethnic conflict. Yeah, it was it's, uh, really it's shocking. An, it's, it's an issue that comes up a lot. I, I do a weekly show in the Hudson Valley called Newsbreakers with Richard Brodsky, and we we, we kind of snipe at each other in a, in a friendly fashion on issues. And this and the East Rampo uh, issue comes up uh, you know qu- quite often. And and I, I you know there there are challenges that are unique to the Orthodox and Hasidic community in New York and that the state has to be sensitive to them and has to carve out a way for it to work. I mean, you have two, two groups of people essentially that are both doing what's best for their families and are both doing what, what makes absolutely sense for, you know, for their communities. I think New York's, and it's, it's a problem that's going to happen again because the, the, the population is growing. God bless it. And New York is going to have to find a way to make this work because you have a collision course that's happening, and nobody wants a collision course. We we don't want to go there. Uh, absolutely, um, I think no question about that. Uh, Bill O'Reilly, Republican political consultant from the November team. Thanks for the analysis, particularly on the Republican side. I know we bounce from local to national and back and forth, so <laughs> I appreciate your diversity and your virtuosity, if you Always will, pleasure, Bill. Michael. Thanks for joining us here on Spin Class. Thank you so much. Okay, take care. Bye. And this is Spin Class, sponsored by Beckerman, BeckermanPR.com. I'm happy to welcome for the first time Benny Poljak from Colossal PR, Rockland County resident. And we're, you know, we are focusing on Rockland, particularly the conflict there between the Orthodox and Hasidic community in, and the Republican Party. And I think that perhaps all just the, between the Orthodox Hasidic community and both sides of the aisle. Uh, if you if you looked at some of the debate going on today in the uh, New York State Assembly, uh, Benny, welcome to Spin Class. Thank you for having me. So, Benny, you uh, I think were the producer of a very provocative, very powerful 
video called the Jew in Rockland. And if you have, if I'm not, we're not going to play the clip here on the show in the interest of time. I'd rather talk about it. But many people called it incendiary. Maybe, maybe people called it very, I, I use the word provocative, but comparing the, the rhetoric and the language out there uh, about going on about the Orthodox community to that of Germany in the 1930s being no different than Nazi propaganda. And many people were, I think, you know, one way to get noticed is to do things that are sensational, and I think it was pretty sensational uh, of that. Uh, talk about the film for a second. What prompted you? What's going on from your perspective in Rockland County? We've talked to, we talked about the East Rockland Post School District as a school district, but what's going on in general uh, in the county that you can speak of to the audience? Okay. Uh, basically, we did the film after months and months and months of trying to solve the issues. I mean, the issues are not going to be solved from one day to the next. We all know that. But trying to calm the tensions down and trying to see where we can actually find people from other communities where we can work together. And the main thing that prompted us to do this video was a Facebook page that was created called Black the Black Vote. And that Facebook page is, a ma- is still a magnet for anti-Semites, not only from Rockland County, but from, you know, every corner of the United States. And that got worse from day, you know, every single day. We even met with the owner, with the uh, person behind the Facebook page. And I had a very frank conversation with him. Uh, you know, civil conversation, and I told him, you know, you, you can have your political philosophy, and, and, but you have to look at the comments, and you have to see what your posts, which type of people your posts are attracting. His bio, the bio on his Facebook page was that all the financial problems in Rockland County are due, is the fault of the Orthodox community all the financial problems from Rockland County. Now, the Orthodox community is about 15% of Rockland County. To say that all the financial problems in Rockland County are from the Orthodox community incites hate. Every single person in Rockland County that goes up on this page and wants to blame someone for his financial problems or for those financial problems in Rockland County is basically directed to blame those problems on the Orthodox community. I think I don't have to explain to you that that's just blatantly false. The accusation is blatantly false. But the hate that this was, that this was uh, creating was something that we felt that we couldn't, we couldn't remain silent. And we tried talking to him, and he refused to listen to us. We tried going to the media and telling them, look, this page has thousands and thousands of likes. Uh, this page has community leaders, politically elected leaders, liking this page and commenting on this page, and no one does anything to stop it. And one day, someone is going to be physically hurt. So it's an incredible, you look at the page, and I, I would direct the audience to the page. It's on Facebook, Block the Block Vote, assuming you have Facebook and you're on there. It's called the community page. But if you look at the pictures at the masthead of the page, you have uh, the only Hasidic person uh, on that's a Hasidic Ramapo, I mean, Ramapo, a Rockland person, is actually Aaron Weeder, 
who is the majority leader of the Rockland County Legislature. Uh, you have a picture of uh, the town supervisor. Uh, what's the town supervisor again? Chris St. Lawrence. Right, Chris St. Lawrence is up there. And then you have pictures of Andrew Cuomo together with two gentlemen who live in New York City. I don't have to name them by name, but one of them lives in Williamsburg, one of them lives in Borough Park. And then you have another picture. And, and, and that, is, that is part of a larger picture that was actually started by Preserve Ramico, which is the party that basically, and I, I really think that the Preserve Ramico party, which now merged and combined really with the Rockland County Republican Party, was really created by people that had some people that had legitimate concerns about the growth and overdevelopment, and that is something that's legitimate and can be discussed as long as people focus on the real issues. So that 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 was the real concern and the real focus of Preserve Ramapo when they created the party. The problem is that that party started to be a magnet for every single anti-Semite in Rockland County, and that party, instead of you know, denouncing the anti-Semites, denouncing the anti-Semitism, they embraced the anti-Semites. And basically, that party was hijacked. And I, I will say that party was hijacked by anti-Semites. That party has a webpage called PreserveRamapo.com. I think it's PreserveRamapo.com. Every single negative post in the news about Orthodox Jews fit to be placed on that page, that you can live in, you know, on the other side of the world, but that goes up on that page. So the notion, and this Facebook page owner copied them, and the notion that everybody, you know, claims that it's just a political movement, this is about politics, that has nothing to do with religion, is just, you know, it's, it's laughable. You know, so I... I this, and the, uh, the last picture I should point out on there, which is actually the the tag picture for block the block vote, meaning that that's the picture of the person that you come, is Aaron Rabiner, who was elected a trustee in Bloomingburg, which is two counties away from Rockland. Uh, the and way that was in which this changed the picture, the original picture before the video was from one of the Satmar rabbis in Williamsburg when Como visited uh, uh, the Satmar rabbi. After the video, he claimed that, you know, he's going to try to modify the page. So that picture came down for two days. And then this picture from Mr. Abiner came up. Like Mr. Abiner and Bloomberg has something to do with Rockland County. The only thing that qualifies him to be placed on that page with his picture is the fact that he's an Orthodox Jew. Which is, uh, which is truly amazing when you, when you think about it, that this is, uh, if you're talking about the block vote, and I want to, I want you to explain to the audience for a second why that term is used and how it's used and why it would be inappropriate or it's used in such a negative way. But that you would put the picture of the Rockland block vote, but you'd put pictures of people who don't live in Rockland, who have no association with Rockland, who are not part of the county, who are not voters there. In fact, they live elsewhere in the state for the only reason that they are wearing Hasidic clothing. That is correct. That is correct. And and the black vote, basically, they call the Orthodox community the black vote. The reason for it is because the Orthodox community, most people in the Orthodox community, tend to vote the same way. And it has two reasons. That's one reason that everybody talks about, but the other reason no one wants to mention. The reason what everybody knows and talks about is that basically this community, most people in this community have a certain way of life. They have similar needs. So automatically, 
they vote a certain way. That's, that's the fact that everybody knows. The other fact that nobody wants to talk about is that the Orthodox community in Rockland County does not have a choice to vote the other way. Because I can't, even if I would be against overdevelopment, I wouldn't be able to vote for a candidate that calls my entire community looters. I wouldn't be able to vote for a candidate that has no problem putting out a video that has no problem showing Orthodox Jews, the only place where Orthodox Jews are mentioned and, and, and you know, come up on that video is in a negative way, like they are behind all the le- illegal housing in the entire county. I can't. I don't have that choice. I'm a Republican. You know, and a lot of, you know, Orthodox Jews tend to vote Republican. In Rockland County, an Orthodox Jew can't vote Republican in a local race. He just can't. There is no choice. So that's amazing considering you know, the topic we're talking about, which is particularly around the relationship with the Orthodox community and the Republican Party in Rockland County. You, you may have heard our previous guest, Bill O'Reilly, saying specifically that Republicans really can't win in New York without embracing multiple different communities. One of them that they've had particular success with and he's had success with is the Orthodox community. So where – where does Rockland's Republican Party make this decision or make this strategic decision that they want to go ahead and be antagonistic or be opposed to the Orthodox community? Basically what happened the first time it really took shape was in the race of uh, the county, the current county executive, Mr. Abe. Uh And, you know, I, I respect he's my county executive, but the fact of the matter is that his entire campaign was based on an anti-Orthodox platform. Every single issue, most I wouldn't say every single issue, but most issues in his campaign were focused on things that pertain, truly or not, to the Orthodox community. And, you know, they felt that if they would drive up enough, uh, I, wouldn't, I, I wouldn't call it hate because I don't want to call it hate, but negative feelings and people scare people, and make people afraid like the Orthodox community is going to take over all the other communities, they will be able to drive out the voters. This was the entire focus of his campaign, and it worked. You know, Unfortunately, it's not unfortunately that he won. It is unfortunately that he won by scaring people and by playing you know, undertones and overtones of, uh, you know, I have a new word that I use because people get very offended when we say anti, anti-Semitic or anti-Semite, but it's, it's, you know, it's anti-Orthodox. And, and this is, this is what, what this campaign was built about. It was built on partial anti-Semitism. That means because there are Reformed Jews that are part and, and of this campaign and supporters, the problem is not Jews. The problem is Orthodox Jews. The problem is Jews that look a certain way. The problem is Jews that are, you know, they can be identified on the street as Jewish people. Now, the county executive convened a multi-denominational, multi-faith summit uh, several weeks ago. And invited, uh, at least from what I saw advertised, obviously wasn't there. So reported that multiple segments of the community to bring them together to try and solve some of these problems. Was this? Was there any? Was that a step in the right direction? Was that? I'm going to ask you yeah. about it. When and it comes and on. we were we were we were very pleased and very hopeful when the county executive called that summit, 
And, uh, you know, we encouraged it, and, and we were very happy that that was happening. But to our great disappointment, a day after the summit, which obviously seemed, and from the reports that I got and on the news, it, it looked like it was very successful. A day after the summit, the county executive uh, write to post on Facebook, post on Facebook basically a negative anti-Orthodox post again. Now, who, who was invited? How come you weren't there? The How come you weren't at the summit? Excuse me? How come you weren't at the summit? I, I, you know, I imagine that you'd want to bring a lot of different people, particularly those that are very vocal uh, on the issues. Why were you not there? Okay, the county executive basically deemed me and the other people that are really outspoken online, on Facebook, on Twitter, as provocateurs. This is the name that he used. Uh, to to describe us. What the benefit, you know, they're playing on the benefit that the Orthodox community, most people in the Orthodox community, do not regularly use social media. Okay? I'm talking about our city community. So basically, it's very easy to shut down the few voices that do by saying, oh, these people are provocateurs, because the, the community leaders, that means the... Uh, the, the, the leaders of the Big Cahillas and the, the leaders of, of the Satma movement, of the Visionist movement in Monty, they truly don't use social media. So they, they, they don't even know what's out there. They don't see what I see every single day. There are some people in, in the Orthodox community, now people know because when you go on the streets, you go in the stores, you start getting scared. And, and, and it, it, didn't, it, didn't, you know, it, it didn't happen 10 years ago, 15 years ago. So people start realizing what's going on, but a lot of people do not know the hate and the animosity towards the Orthodox community that some people have. Okay, so let's just talk for a second about some of the big issues, and I want to get your comment on two of the big issues specifically, so I can, you know, then relay them. You know, we ha- if we ha- when we get the county executive on, one yeah. of them being the school district. Uh, specifically around the fact that the school district is certainly in a state of well, there's a tremendous chasm between the Orthodox community and the and the the public school community, which is significant minority. And many people feel that the minority community is not getting the uh, not getting the resources that they need. For whatever reason, we can blame the state. We can blame funding. I think there's there's so many re- people. There's so much blame to go around. Um, but it, you can't help but thinking that the school board and I'll, I I you know I I will opine this has made a, a series of missteps. And you're a PR guy, specifically around PR. They haven't explained themselves well. They don't come across well. The meetings are chaotic or they're less chaotic than they used to be. They have an attorney who's one of the assistant attorneys cursed at people. I mean, they've, they've done, made a lot of mistakes. And I think that one thing that you don't, that an outsider looks at and they say, oh my gosh, can you believe this? They, they, it can be that they're right on all the merits and that the Orthodox community is correct on all the merits. But yet there's a problem here because they're not, because we're not seeing they're not explaining themselves well, and therefore there's a tremendous disconnect, and that needs to be fixed. So if you're an outsider, you're and saying, I, we got to fix I, it. I agree with you 100%. Uh, 
and this is what I keep on telling the school board, and this is what I keep on telling other members of the community and community leaders that I speak to is the, the real thing, the only major issue that the, commute, that the school board is, you know, is, is guilty of is a failure in public relations a failure in letting the public know what was really going on the last few years, a failure in telling the side of the story that, is, that they see, that we see, that people that go to the board meetings, to the school board meetings see. They, 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 they allowed years and years and years of negative media coverage. People, most of them, you know, the real, the real um, um, activists, so-called activists, for the public school community, do not even live in East Ramapo. They are not from East Ramapo. They are from, you know, one guy comes from the Bronx, one guy is from Nanuet, one guy is, you know, we have people that speak yeah, out about East Ramapo from every corner of the United States. Right, Benny, we see that in a lot of cases, and I totally agree with that. Uh, and I think, and I think you're right. I think there's no question that it's a PR failure. Let me get to another one, which I think, which has become very big in the interest of time, because we're running out of it. And we could really continue for a whole hour just on this discussion, because it's really, it's really amazing to, to get the real, you know, get a real perspective from the inside, which is always what we try to do. But the other question is around illegal housing. And I know that that's a big issue as far as permits. And, you know, there's no question, I think what a lot of people don't understand about the Hasidic community is that people want to live together. Families want to live together. Therefore, they're not as concerned as others in suburbia about multifamily housing or about townhouses or about density. Correct. And you know, people, th- people spend um, um, thousands that they do not have in Brooklyn just to live together with their families. Right. But there's this characteristic that over and over there is illegal housing, illegal building, yeshivas claiming uh, exemptions from the law and and the like. And that is a big issue out there. And I know and I know from people that I know live there, that's even a tension within the Orthodox community. Occasionally, you don't always have a situation where somebody who moved uh, to Muncie 20 years ago and you know has a nice yard necessarily wants an apartment building next door to them. But. Is the, is there, why, why can't, why can't the community or both communities come together and try and figure out, okay, let's have some planning. Let's figure this out. Let's, you know, there should be a meeting of the minds here. There should be. And, and, you know, in the community, there are some people and, 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 you know, I, for example, would love to live on a uh, one acre lot. And 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 have to drive uh, a five-minute driveway till I see a person. But the fact is that the community is growing, and that's not that's that's not going to stop. That's a fact. And the community has needs, like every other community has needs. You know, New York City wasn't New York City and didn't have all the skyscrapers a hundred years ago. They had farms. They had uh, apples and oranges growing. The fact of the matter is that when there is a community growing. In the United States, we all know that the government tries to accommodate that community. <coughs> and so, right. And, and the fact here is that the community is growing now. And this goes back to my point that I started with is if there would be a party that the Orthodox community felt that they can work with, then, you know, probably a lot of people that would be voted in wouldn't be for, for, for this kind of development. The problem is, that the Orthodox community has no choice. You have no one to vote 
four, there are a lot of people in Rockland, and I would say 95% of Rockland County are, you know, tolerant people, people that want to live side by side with the Orthodox community in peace. It is the five, the fringe, small group of maybe 5%, but they are the loudest. And, and unfortunately, they control the discussion. And I'm just going to tell you something very quick, which gives a, a great example of the misinformation that is spread out there in the other community. I have one guy in another community uh, which happens to be against the school board. He's a big activist against the East Rampo School Board. But we agree on other issues. You know, he has realized the hate that has been out there, you know, silently supported by the, official, by the officials. And he, you know, he's, he's married to a, a, his wife is Jewish. So he came to me with concern, you know, we, you guys have to do something. But he told me yesterday, he sent me a message yesterday, that a guy from Clarkstown, Clarkstown is a town next to Ramco. I, I don't think there is a single Orthodox Jew living in Clarkstown. There was a guy in Clarkstown that uh, asked him, you know, there is, there is a post that went out that trees, and you're going to laugh because I laughed about it, but unfortunately this is what's going on. There were trees or poles painted with white paint. It was probably Orange and Rockland, the local utility company that did it. But there was a post going out that this is some kind of a way that the Orthodox rabbis give like a hexer of blessing for the Orthodox community to move in. And basically the Orthodox community is coming and taking over this community. And the candidate, the GOP candidate running in Clarkstown, his entire campaign is based on keeping the Orthodox community out. They want to create wards, uh, separate wards that every, you know, um, um, divide the, uh, the representatives in this small village of Clarkstown so that the Orthodox community basically shouldn't be able to come in when there's not a single Orthodox Jew that is, that's even planned to come in. It's right. building on fear. It's building on hate. It's The whole thing is a, a intentional, uh, uh, intentional voting drive, basically, through hate. Well, Benny Polacek, I want to thank you for giving us the inside scoop from an activist perspective on what's going on in Rockland. We're certainly going to have to update this as this progresses, or I should say ferments a little bit uh, as we go on. Thanks for joining us here on Spin Class. And this is Spin Class, and we're sponsored by Beckerman. And another time uh, we have the opportunity to welcome the county executive of Rockland County, Ed Day, uh, who won a, I would say, a surprising victory uh, by many prognosticators, but a assembled a very significant coalition of Republicans and as well as the Preserve Rockland line uh, in order to achieve victory in the Rockland exec- County Executive election. A former New York City police officer, uh, police uh, superior officer, I should say, and he was elected in November 2013. Of late, there has been a lot of tension in Rockland. We've spoken about it. We've been speaking about it on the show with regard to the Orthodox and the Hasidic community in Rockland and others in Rockland, I should say. Uh, so again, uh, the county executive recently convened an interfaith summit with many different members of the clergy from different communities to try and defuse the tensions around that. County Executive Day, thanks for joining us here once again on Spin Class. Great to be here, Michael. How are you? 
I'm doing well. I'm doing well. So uh, really exciting times uh, politically uh, nowadays up there in the uh, lower Hudson Valley. Uh, uh, particularly, get him sorry. Sorry, particularly around uh, some of the relations between uh, the uh, the Orthodox community and the surrounding neighborhoods uh, in Ramapo, Clarkstown, and those areas of central Rockland. Uh, maybe you could just we, we've done a lot of background here on the show, so I don't mind if you if you don't mind, we'll just kind of jump right into sure. it. Uh, I think the some of the tension. Well, there's a lot of tension. I don't want to say some of the tension. Mm-hmm. It revolves around, you know, two basic areas. One of them being the school district, which right. I think is, you know, if you know, the big meatball out there. Uh, that's specifically the East Ramapo School District. And secondly, I think what's being called, uh, illegal or preferential building housing, illegal housing that's been going on out there. And I think the third thing from just the Orthodox perspective and a lot of activists, and we've had, we had uh, some people talking about it earlier on mm-hmm. the show is around some of the terminology used to describe the orthodox community the block vote uh the looters uh calling uh, uh hasidic judaism cults and uh tell us just give the audience a little background about how you see things and what your administration is trying to do and hopefully what kind of steps you're taking you're taking to diffuse the tension well let me try to hit three points and first of all that that kind of language is, is reprehensible and unacceptable that's the starters um you know we have we have we have folks on Either side of uh, a number of issues, and instead of having dialogue that makes that makes sense, it's civil, which can be done, by the way. Uh, some people choose to throw other inflammatory words in there, and you just mentioned some of them. Um, we also had a uh, group here uh, produce a video uh, comparing Rockland County and Nazi Germany, which is probably the most scurrilous videos I've ever seen, uh, because it's not true. Um, the reality is, is that uh, we we put together a religious interfaith summit. Okay, we felt, we felt here that um, there's a lot of tension. I'm not going to say it's hate. This is tension, okay? And I believe some of these folks who are out there um, actually, the intent are making things worse. They're creating uh, a tension uh, by utilizing um, religious uh, commentary uh, to make it seem that we have a, a um, you know a, a county where people are not accepting of each other. And there's nothing we've heard from the truth. Um, our our position here is that we have people with a gender. How do we shut them out? How do we put them in the background somewhere where their their loud voices are not heard? What we did is we asked um, three very well noted uh, leaders in the religious community: uh, Bishop uh, Laganero from uh, the Archdiocese, Rabbi uh, Potasnik from the Board of Rabbis, and, and Reverend Waldron from the First Corinthian Baptist Church to co-facilitate this summit which was broadly attended by uh, a number of people from a number of different faiths, uh, Baptist, Christian, Jewish, um, uh, uh, Hasidic. We, we had a number of people there, and um, it was very, very positive. We, it came out well. We are, going, we are putting together a statement of, uh, of principles. Uh, we acknowledge there's something, something that's very, very, I think it, was, it might be Rabbi Schiller who said this from the Skiver community in New Square, uh, that today, today's um, anti-Semite is tomorrow's racist. It's a tool of hate. It's not the hate itself. So we did that, and we, we pledged to join together <clears throat> to not only condemn unilaterally hate, but also to celebrate and rejoice in positive things that happen that uh, show that we are a good community in Rockland County. Um, and that's, that's where, that was one of the steps we took. But to those two issues you brought up, Michael, um, regarding East Rampo and the Rockland Codes Initiative, uh, 
East Ramapo, and this is a this is an issue I approach as a PTA Life Award winner and as a legislator who represented families in East Ramapo. This is not a religious issue specifically. It's a, it's an issue where the public school system there is not being funded properly. We believe, many of us believe, the board there is not uh, um, handling things in a balanced manner. And th- there was a, a, um, a monitor came in to assess this. This is Hank Greenberg, who is Jewish. And he released a scathing report about the going-ons in that school district. Um, frankly, I agree with many of the findings. I believe that having a monitor would be a good idea. I think it will provide an ability not just to improve the approach that the current board has taken in many areas, including communication with, with uh, their constituents, where 70% of the time they spend in private session. Um, they've run up uh, a, a, an amazing deficits financially. Uh, there have been, uh, we almost call them fire sales of public schools, where there have been felony convictions surrounding the dynamics of those sales. There's an issue here. Uh, I look at the monitor as someone who can come down, can provide guidance to the board on the proper way to run a school board and a district financially, create a bridge between the two sides that have broken down, which is the religious community and the public school community, for lack of a simpler way of putting it. There is too much shouting going on. We believe a monitor can provide that, that, that connection. But this does not have to be a dialogue that has to, has to have the words them and they in it or other nasty words that are used to describe people of different different sides of an issue. This can be a, uh, a, 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 um, a debate that is moderate, that's civil. Uh, we, as a matter of fact, in the, religious, in, the, in the summit we had, we had that same debate within that meeting where we had one, um, one of our members here who felt very strongly that a rabbi who felt we should not have a monitor and another member of the um, reform community who felt that we should. And we actually tried to move them off that because the issue, we were never going to solve the East Rampo District issue in that meeting, but it, it showed that there can be a debate in a civil way without having it degenerate into uh, some other perception of what's going on. Uh, so, and can I just can sure. I just jump in for a second? Because I think that this is indicative of maybe the perception. And I, I as an Orthodox Jew, you know, I also live in a majority yeshiva district mm-hmm. uh, known as Lawrence, uh, majority private school district, I should say. Right, and. There is a perception, uh, as, and I and and I I can see that there are many issues uh, out there where this the East Ramapo School Board has failed and, right. and not done a great job. Mm-hmm. But it does seem, from a perspective of an Orthodox Jew and who's involved in politics, that this district, amongst all the districts in the state, is being singled out as the only district that's going to have an appointed or potentially have an appointed official with veto power over the district. Well, that we actually had we had a, a monitor in Roosevelt, Long Island. This is well, a, not a, a monitor. You actually the, the state removed the entire school board. Well, that was even and, worse. So, so right, we, correct. What, what again? This, if you look again, my my position is not helping. No, no, by I'm just saying, and I, I, I let me just be clear. I think yeah. it's the perception out there right. that if you look at it, and sometimes the perception, particularly in politics, and we're both in the political business, mm-hmm. the perception becomes reality yes. for a lot of people. Why this might be considered to be a very aggressive move. Well, actually, actually, there had been similar legislation introduced every year for the past three or four years in the Assembly. Uh, not the exact same legislation, but a legislation that would provide some sort of oversight and also some type of ability for 
a gap to be bridged. And I think that's a really part of this that, that is getting lost in the shouting at times. And again, that's a perception of it. Um, you know, the, the reality is everything is going so well, uh, a monitor's job be very easy. Uh, you know, frankly, I don't think it is. And I think the monitor's greatest contribution to this, besides the, the, uh, the, um, the techniques that could be, could be uh, gleaned, is the fact that the monitor also provides some sort of connection that is now sorely lacking because there's been so much shouting. And, and sh- the shouting is contributed by both sides. That is, is the unfortunate reality of where it has gotten to. And I think a unique approach, a relatively unique approach, is called for because this particular district is extremely unique in New York State. So I think in that respect, it's a balanced approach. But again, it's being debated uh, in the Senate now because the Assembly did just pass the bill. Um, people are bringing their points forward, and I have to say, you know, for a large part, I've been to Albany a couple of times. Um, the the debate has been civil, the dialogue has been positive, and I, you would like to see that stay the same. But unfortunately, with social media, it often does not. Um, it, it, uh, the I, I call it electronic cowardice when you can say almost anything you want behind a phony name on Facebook. So that's what that is where the issues end up getting. Uh, we end up having that perception of hate. Because you have people out there who cannot engage in a, a civil discourse uh, and argue their, their points in a logical manner. And, and that's, that's where the leadership has to step in to try to calm that down. Um, the Rockland County Codes Initiative, Michael, um, it, what I find extremely interesting is this is very specifically tailored towards dealing with slumlords. Um, and point of fact, some may recall... Um, and this was before I became county executive, I, and I was a legislator, part-time legislator. I remember there was some issues in New Square, um, and uh, there was some fires there and some, some illegality zoning-wise, and the codes weren't being complied with. Those, those issues in New Square have, by, by, by and large, have been addressed and ameliorated. Um, so I find it kind of ironic that, and we did speak to some of the leaders in the villages so they understood uh, what this co- this program was and what it was not. What this program is, very simply, we are going after the most greedy landlords there are, um, the ones that have the most egregious, the ones who are placing a volunteer firefighters in harm's way, placing families who are at the lower rung of the socioeconomic ladder in harm's way. Um, and that is what our goal is. And this is a countywide approach. We are looking at by and large, at multifamily housing, but we will at times look at you know one family with an apartment, but that's not our strongest goal right now. And essentially, it's an online reporting system uh, that combines itself with the dwelling registry law. We are using the sanitary code, which is broad, and we can bring in significant fines that um, that will address the issue of greed, which is exactly what the problem is. Um, the uh, previous the approaches. Uh, done by other towns and by towns, municipalities, villages, uh, have varying results because even when building inspectors go there to these um, to these locations, um, you may have great inspectors who, led, who who give summonses, and you may have a court system that thinks it's not a big deal. Um, you may have situations where inspectors really are just not focusing on what they should be focusing on. Uh, we looked we look in the county to work in a cooperative fashion between a health department and local municipalities. Where they work with us, we obviously are willing part. We'll be willing partners. Where they are not going to address what are compelling issues, we will do so. Um, we will use. How, how could this possibly be controversial? I mean, I'm listening to everything you're saying, and I'm wondering where is the controversy? Well, where it's is interesting, the issue? It, interesting you said that because I think we get back to the whole issue of perception. 
I don't know. How, you know, I think in Rockland, again, I, I, from the outside, I mentioned an issue in New Square. Uh, there had been reports of, of housing being illegal. The firefighters were threatening not to go to fire calls anymore. And I remember reading about it in the papers. I was not personally aware of it at the time. But I think what happens is when when you come into office and bring this, put this together, there's an assumption by some that this is the approach. Uh, it's not lost upon me that in our county, because of a lot of the tactics used by the few to stir up hate, to stir up uh, to stir the pot sometimes, to make things sound sound different than what they are, and not to hear what this is all about, uh, that's where the, mis- the, the, the misperceptions lie. And again, if you if you go, what I find ironic, this is on the Rockland County website. Um, it's covered both in the in the health department and also as a press release. It details what this program is. Uh, it, it's very matter of fact, um, and it's complaint driven. We recognize right. that there's illegal housing. We've gotten a number of complaints in Pearl River, for example. Um, uh, we have had a couple in Havistra. We've had some in in, in Spring Valley and Ramapo. So this is a county countywide approach. Is- yeah, but let me I, – and I hate to break in for a second – is that – but this is being portrayed as specifically targeting – I think vis-a-vis pictures or vis-a-vis Facebook or vis-a-vis websites, et cetera. This is being portrayed as targeting the multifamily or – and I'm – you know, I, slumlords, and I, you know, I, I hate. I know every, one one definition of slumlord is going to be different than another, and mm-hmm. I think uh, I, I think we all deplore the some of the tactics of slumlords, particularly right. what I've read. Mm-hmm. Not being, not you know, I don't know one, but what I'm saying is, it seems, and there's a the Rockland County Facebook page, Rockland County GOP Facebook page, seems to be particularly targeting uh, through using the word block vote, seems to be targeting this as a Hasidic Jewish problem. I, I'm unaware of that, frankly, Michael. I mean, I know there was, a, there was an ad that was out there um, that uh, was speaking of the sheriff's race and the enforcement of laws. Yes, um, I was going to get to that as well. I'm yeah, glad you brought that up. and I, I think that may be, but that, that is just something that just came up recently. Uh, this has been, we, we started this in April, uh, and if anybody looks at, the, looks at the landlord watch list, you'll see the buildings. I mean, you have, I'm looking at one building at 76 Fairview Avenue in Spring Valley. Um, this, this, the facts, the, I know sometimes the facts get in the way, some people's perceptions, but sure. the facts of the matter are the, the properties have been reported uh, on not within the religious communities, uh, a couple in Spring Valley for sure. Uh, we have levied heavy fines. Uh, we have a landlord's wor- a worst landlord's watch list. So you could, people can actually go online and see who the worst landlords are and where they are, and they're not in the areas that obviously some people are believing are ha- it's happening. Um, right. We are using strategies such as the IRS. Um, the goal here is to understand that a slumlord, and again, most of the complaints we're getting are involving families, often many of them who are who are here uh, undocumented or people who are of uh, Latino descent. So this is not an issue where this is falling on the laps of any of the religious communities right now, to be very honest right. with you. Yeah. Right. Just uh, and in the interest of time, just the, the last thing, the ADL has condemned that ad that you talked about mm-hmm. with regard to the sheriff uh, portraying the sheriff's race, portraying the I think the incumbent sheriff as being in cahoots with the Orthodox community. Uh, w- would you be willing to do the same? I, what I would say is this: I, uh, first of all, that the way that was just characterized is not accurate. I mean, I did see the okay, ad. I apologize. Yeah, no, that's, that's okay. The the, the the characterization was that there's a, there's a how, there there is a severe housing issue here. Uh, illegal housing issue. That's a fact. Uh, the second part of the ad uh, talked about 
the Republican uh, candidate, uh, Richie Vasquez, who I do happen to know from the NYPD, a, a quality person, highly educated, and a chief in his own right in another, in another municipality, about, his, about what he could do. And there was about a three or four second breakaway to a picture that was in the Journal News in, on, the, on election evening of 2011, front page. And that picture had a few gentlemen in the part of the picture who were of an orthodox or an ascetic, uh, ascetic background, at least by appearances. And that was within it. Now, my, what I would say is this. I don't think that image was necessary to the, to the, um, to the, um, for the ad. I express my opinion to Mr. Vasquez and to the Republican Party leadership. I am not in a habit of commenting on um, campaign ads. I have a counter to run. But I That's did express fair. that. I think, I think, I think the, another picture could have been picked. But I think what I find interesting here, we get back to the politics of it all, one wonders why the Journal News, who took the picture, maybe with an intent to make a point that seen people are paying attention with now, nothing was said four years ago. Um, about this particular picture. It's coming up now during a, a, a race between a Democrat and a Republican. That, to me, is not just a coincidence uh, that this is happening. So, you know, we talk about context. Some will say the context of that ad, the picture should have been in there. Okay, we, I, can, I, I wouldn't have used it, and I certainly don't think it was the most appropriate way to go. But by the same token, this picture was publicly issued by the Journal News four years ago. Nobody said a word back then. Um, right. And also, I find the same people who are now coming out in, you know, and saying we should all condemn this, um, and most notably our Rockland County Legislative Chairperson and Vice Chairperson. Um, I was wondering where their voices were when our wonderful county, which they live in, was compared to Nazi Germany. So if we're going to start condemning things, let's be at least consistent about it. Um, and again, I'm, I have no problem saying I do not believe that ad was appropriate. In, in that one clip, that one picture, that one image, I think could have been, that was not really, a, you know, it, within that context of where to go. And I have no problem saying that. But again, my point is I'm looking to govern this county, and I, I cannot spend my time running around dealing with political ads and what people want to make of them. That's what campaigns are about. I think that's what the opponents, if people are, are incensed that barely by any kind of ad, by any candidate, they should vote for the other candidate. Well, I appreciate that, and I, I think you know the bottom line is somebody needed to be in that ad. Uh, clearly, as I said, it's a perception issue. Yep. The perception is that there's a you know, but somebody was gonna. Every campaign ad is gonna have somebody in it. Uh, I think the problem is when you take a the ethnic mix and the volatility, mm-hmm. then already you have an issue, and it probably could have been used with some better judgment. Uh, and within that context, otherwise. Michael, I couldn't disagree. But again, one has to wonder why. Then this is where the politics come in. One has to wonder why suddenly this picture is an issue when it was a front page picture four years ago, and nobody back then made it any anything of it. So you know, again, politics is being what it is. Uh, this is why I like to focus on governance because while people are worried about politics and pictures, we're we're moving our county forward. We we are we are getting our our, uh, our bond upgrades. We're doing well here. So that's what I try to focus as much as I can on. And occasionally we'll chat about this kind of stuff too, and uh, we'll deal with it, of course. Okay, County Executive Ed Day, appreciate you coming on the show, and it's good to speak to you. And thanks for giving us uh, that perspective on there. Hopefully this situation will not be at the high simmer that it currently is when we talk next. I appreciate that. Thank you, Michael. And this is Spin Class, and we'll close off with their political absurdities of the week. And first and foremost is the political absurdity of calling Bernie Sanders – 
a dual citizen. That actually happened on NPR, and you should definitely check that out audio-wise. I mean, that is just – Bernie Sanders, a socialist, avowed socialist, uh, and is called on NPR a dual citizen of Israel. In fact, they said, oh, you're a dual citizen of Israel. That's uh, shocking. More uh, in our theme of the show – is an email sent out with regard to the village election in Great Neck, that's on the north shore of Long Island, where the invitation to an to a campaign get together at a kosher restaurant says that a group backed by Rabbi Cohen's congregation is running to shut down the businesses on Saturdays. They want to shut down the business of in Great Neck on Saturdays, and one of the the business that you're holding the event at is on is a Sabbath observant business that's closed on Saturday. And you're criticizing a candidate, Pedram Brawl, uh, from the Persian community who is running against the current mayor, Ralph Kreitzman. And the invitation to his, uh, Ralph Kreitzman's event is accusing the, uh, challenger of insisting that, uh, stores be closed on Saturday. This, that is a frequent canard being used elsewhere, uh, like Lawrence and West Hampton Beach over the Aruv, that the Jews, the Orthodox are coming to take over and close down the businesses on Saturdays. Another political absurdity to then go ahead and do it. And last but not least, does Jerusalem really not have a country? Is Jerusalem countryless? Well, the Supreme Court seems to think so. A lot of us can blame the Supreme Court and say, Well, how can they possibly decide this? I think what they're deciding is that it's the president's power and they are correctly or at least incorrectly, according to some, designating that power. But the fault really lies with the American government, which just refuses and the president and the State Department refuses to acknowledge that Jerusalem is part of Israel. Do they really think that 1947, those resolutions are still intact, that Jerusalem is ever going to be an international city with no Jewish claim to it? It's That's who you should be angry at. Don't be angry at the court. Thanks for joining us here on Thursday night for Spin Class here on the Nachum Segal Network. Mm-hmm.